It's September 2021, and welcome to a very special episode of the Baby Metal Podcast. At the beginning of September, September 3rd, Kevin and I joined AJ Hartley at DragonCon in Atlanta to do a panel called 10 Years of Baby Metal. This is part of what was called the Silk Road track, and Beth Giles, the organizer of the track, joined us on the panel as a moderator. The turnout was pretty good, better than we had expected, and we had a lot of fun doing it. We'll talk about the experience on an upcoming episode, but for now, here's the audio recording of that panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Baby Metal. Hello. <laughs> How many of you had heard of Baby Metal before you came to this panel? Yeah. Thank goodness. Excellent. Outstanding. That's a- <laughs> Great start right there. So we can skip a lot of the basics because you already have the basics, right? Right? I hope so. Right? Um, at least you have a passing knowledge or familiarity, and that is better than nothing, right? So, um, guys, let's introduce ourselves. Let's start here and go on down. I'm Beth. I'm the director of the track. And uh, I found Baby Metal three years ago after we started running all the K-pop stuff. Um, for Momocon. So um, it was kind of a weird lead in because that's not a natural, like, I guess it's a fairly natural progression from K pop <laughs> to baby metal, but it's such a different vibe that it feels like it's a totally different animal, right? Um, but I love baby metal. <laughs> anyway, these guys know way more than I do, so I'm going to ask them questions like I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and then, you know, we'll all get involved. So, on that sure. line. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Kevin. Uh, I'm a part of the Baby Metal podcast. Um, I found the group in 2016, just after Tokyo Dome, um, which is both awesome and a little disappointing because I didn't get a chance to go to Tokyo Dome because I was too late for that. Um, but yeah, uh, I've been following the band ever since. Uh, I'm one of those crazy bastards who likes to fly around and go to concerts when I really shouldn't. So. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm Paul. I'm also on the, the Baby Metal podcast with Kevin. Uh, and actually, there's a, a third member of that podcast, Maggie, who couldn't, couldn't be here. Uh, I've, I've been uh, sort of aware of Baby Metal since um, I think it was basically around December 2017, around that, around that time, around uh, late 2017. And, uh, you know, to the extent that you know Baby Metal, you probably know something about how you can fall in pretty hard. Um, but so, you know, I've flown across the country to see them play a show and things like that. And flown to Atlanta to do a panel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyway, yeah, um, that's that's my story. Hey, uh, my name's A.J. Hartley. I'm a novelist and a Shakespeare professor, among other things. And uh, I, I sort of discovered Baby Metal about 2016, around the same time. Um, uh, Kevin did, but I, I didn't really sort of get actively involved in the fandom per se until I started making these little YouTube videos where I'd sort of walk through the songs and talk about what the... I used to live in Japan and so I would uh, sort of explore the songs in the context of the lyrics and the culture and so on and now I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. So where should we start? Good question. Yeah. Should well, we start with what led so to the beginning we, of Baby Metal? Could, there, could, there are so many places to so begin. So many places to begin. At the beginning. So i got to be honest up front. A win for me for this panel was like 10 people showing up. Yeah. So all of you here is incredibly awesome. Thanks for showing up. And <laughs> you really did make my weekend. You made the con. Uh, I'm from California, and I flew in yesterday. So this, this was quite an adventure for me. So I really appreciate everybody being here. Yeah. 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 Yay. 
And, you know, when we were talking about how to approach this, we, we didn't know how many people would come and we didn't know what their familiarity with baby metal would be. So we actually prepared sort of little potted history and little video clips and stuff like that. And we thought it might be fun to jumpstart the conversation by showing or reminding you of stuff that you have probably seen before as a way to sort of get us in the right mood and uh, generating some discussion. Does that sound okay? Yeah. 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 Okay. okay. Yeah, so what you can see on the screen is it's likely that this is going to be the thing that if you've seen one thing, it is that, which is the um, the video for Gimme Chocolate, which is what, 2014, I think? 2014, mm -hmm. yeah. So, um, this yeah, is the entry first. drug. <laughs> yeah. That was my first. I admit. Yeah. So, so uh, we'll we'll just play a little bit of it in case you somehow haven't seen it. This is the this is the thing that we were talking about. But this, of course, was 2014. This was, uh, and it's much later now in time. Oh, yes, um, yeah. Doesn't seem to be oh, sound. Okay. That's probably Let's thing. figure that out. Let's see if I can make it any louder. I don't think it's you. Okay. That's me. I'm louder. Hello. <laughs> Well, imagine, you know, metal music and... <laughs> no, we gotta find it. We gotta yeah. find it. This worked yesterday. Well, they're sorting that out. Who's seen them live? Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, there you Outstanding. Go. That's excellent. Hand. And someone's wearing a shirt, even. <laughs> oh, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Where's everybody from? Are you guys all local? Did you guys travel? Yeah. Mostly local? Yeah. Okay, because I think they were they were here in 2018. Yeah. We figured this out here. Tabernacle, yeah. right? Yeah. Outstanding. No, Coca-Cola Roxy. Yeah, Coca-Cola Roxy. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Okay, I'm gonna just maybe unplug and replug. Maybe somebody's got a headphone that's trying to connect to your. Oh yeah, maybe I'm playing through somebody else's right, right. ears. Yes, because I can barely hear. Uh, how much We've music. assimilated another panel, perhaps. <laughs> it's like every every other panel in the building's going to be playing baby metal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our our backup plan, if nobody showed up, was just to play music really loud. I have music here. Now we've lost video. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. Try it one more time. Hey, remember what you saw before, right? <laughs> 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 oh. But it's audio only. Hey, video. Yep. Okay. I think we're set. Right. Welcome okay. to Dragon Con. We are here. 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 We yeah, so that I guess is you know what a lot of people saw first, and um, I think that there's uh, at least I I believe that there is a kind of a story that people tell themselves when they see that they think oh okay there was a there was a like a marketing committee and they focus tested some weird you know Japan weird mashups uh, and they did a quick like attempt for a money grab with a viral video. I know what this is all about. And the thing is, it's actually not at all about any of that. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's kind of part of what we want to do, I think, is, is sort of tell you about like why the uh, band or convince you that you also feel that the band is uh, sort of deep enough and interesting enough to fly to Japan for concerts and stuff like that. So that it is actually there's something there uh, to appreciate. So it's not... That wasn't just well. Actually, we also just hit the tenth year, which is another bit of evidence of that right. they've mm -hmm. they started in 2010 and they've spent this last year doing a 
10-year uh, anniversary events. <laughs> we just can't wait, can we? Yeah. No, we're, we're just too loud. Yeah. So I don't know where we're. So I think from you there. know. I, yeah. I remember certainly the first time I saw that video, and mm -hmm. think, and I and I think my response was like a lot of people's response, which is. What? What? Right. What did yeah. I just watch? What did I just see? What, 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 what is this? Yeah. And, and and another thing when people say this is the most Japanese thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. And and that that sort of the the combination of cute girls in the sort of slightly odd costumes, an even odder statue behind them, mm -hmm. and this sort of metal accompaniment singing about chocolate. And and it feels like this sort of uh, arbitrary mishmash of stuff that shouldn't go together but somehow does right and and i think that for me at least that was the first appeal and i was initially i remember the very first time watching the video and thinking okay okay and then that chorus vocal comes in and there's melody and there's and, and you can tell she can sing and suddenly it's an entirely different thing and you're like wait a minute this is like this is legitimately good you know? <laughs> it's, not, it's not just quirk right it's not, not just, just gimmick. goofy right the, the, there's something else here and that was as you said you know uh, as i'm sure you guys know people who get into baby metal go down not the rabbit hole but the foxhole and the, as you go down the foxhole you start to discover all these other things and the layers and so on that for me can constantly sort of say this is a, a, a complex rich um, incredibly skilled, incredibly carefully put together art project, performance, music, the the works, the full thing. So, who's responsible for putting them together? What other groups are they responsible for by comparison? Just so we have an idea of mm. what kind of machine. You want to talk about Sure. Yeah. So, I, for anybody who's not aware, Baby Metal started as a subunit of an idol group for their parent company, Amuse, called Sakura Gakuin. Um, it's a, they call it a limited growth period group. Um, it's young girls starting in the fifth and sixth grade of elementary school uh, through when they turn 15 and they move from middle school and into high school, that's when they have to leave the group. Um, and that's your traditional J-pop um, being cute. Um, Non-traditional in the sense that, um, a lot like baby metal, you know, they treat their artists well. It's about the development of these young performers as artists and where they want to be in that industry. Um, without any of the pressure and sexualization that you normally see in J-pop, K-pop, things like that. Um, and they have subunits. They want to try and target these young performers' um, goals and their interests, what they align with. Um, and their producer now, the guy who came up with it, who worked for Amuse at the time, had this idea of mashing metal with J-pop. And uh, a vocalist had just joined Sakura Gakuin, Suzuka, who he thought would be perfect for this. So they started as a subunit of this group. So Sakura Gakun would have a concert, they would go perform, and their first show was, you know, Doki Doki Morning in front of 50 people in the middle of a concert completely unrelated to baby metal. Mm -hmm. The idea of baby metal hadn't existed at this point. Yeah. Um, and that's really how it kind of got off the ground. And, you know, as, as we know, it just started to kind of work. People really latched onto the idea of this. The music was interesting. It was more than just a gimmick. Um, and it's really the only group to come out of this subunit of Sakura Gakuin who's been successful internationally, who's toured, who's done things, and grown above where they started. Mm -hmm. Do you want to show yeah. some Sakura Gakuin? Yeah. Well, yeah, actually, maybe I can do I wonder if I can do this without having it be loud. Um, 
this is them. I'll try to talk while this is playing. But um, one, this is Sakura Gafling as a unit. It's just it's usually ten or twelve girls that are that are in um, you know up 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 before high school. And so one, so that uh, the third person to sing is the lead singer of Baby Metal. Um, I will highlight that in a second. <laughs> um, but so this subunit was actually uh, one of several subunits. There she is. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, you know, so so there was also the baby metal was the was the heavy metal club, but there's also the cooking club and then then the newspaper club, baton twirling, the baton club, there was tennis, the, the uh, wrestlers, wrestling enthusi- club, enthusiast <laughs> club. You know, so these are all like little little subgroups, and you know, the idea was basically just to give them some some performance training in a small group, right? And you know, so this all of this is largely um, sort of like the talent agency. You know, sort of. Oops. Okay. Well, I guess it's just going to keep. Going. <laughs> that's quite a transition. Yeah. That's it. That's what it. That's what it was like if you attended a Sakura Gakuin concert and Baby Metal had to perform. You went from that, you know, to something like this. Actually, even though this was an accident, let me let me just say what this is that started, and maybe we can yeah, we can yeah. talk a little bit about it because that's also useful. Um, this is this is uh, Kevin was at this concert actually. This is Legend Metal Galaxy. Uh, mm-hmm. This was twenty twenty. 2020, January 2020. Yeah. Um, so this is this is that you know that same group, much later. They're still going. Um, this is this is a much different kind of song from the other ones. But actually, that's one thing that we'll talk about. I'm sure is that each song that you can say is a much different kind of song than the other ones because they're all different from each other. Um, but this is the only one that's in sort of this style. It's called. You'll know what it's called. So you know, I want to bring up again. This is a great time because we just watched a little bit of Sakura Gakuin. Um, to, to bring up that, you know, that there is something there. And, and I think a lot of people have this journey. Everybody I've talked to in this fandom uh, has kind of gone on a similar journey. It has a, a variation of this story. You see the Gimme Chocolate video on YouTube when it went viral or as part of something else. For me, I saw four seconds of Gimme Chocolate when they opened for Metallica. I, can't, I come from metal and I was watching, following their tour in South Korea and they showed four seconds of their opening acts, one of them being Baby Metal, and I was like, what the is that? Right? <laughs> and, I, and I started Googling around to figure out what it was. Um, and you go, you go on this journey, you're like, okay, I don't know if I like these three girls singing and dancing things I don't understand. And then, then the more you listen to it, it's like, okay, the musicianship here, the, the music is extremely well produced it's, and performed. Like some of the best musicians in the world, you know, play this stuff. So you latch onto that. It's like, okay, this is awesome. I can get into the metal, but I still don't know if I really like, you know, the vocals on top of this and the girls dancing. That that's kind of weird, um, you know. But then you keep going and you keep researching, keep watching stuff. And then you see something live, right? I I didn't cross this line until I stumbled across live footage on YouTube um, of a concert, for example, Road of Resistance at like Sonosphere, and you see. The, you, the the circle pit open up throughout the crowd and you and you see a, you know a few thousand people who are like okay this now I feel validated really liking this and I and I and I and I, and I buy off on it and I buy, now I now I'm in the whole package right right now I love the vocals now I know it's not just a gimmick and I've I'm sold on the idea of having the you know the dichotomy of three little Japanese girls singing on top of this brutal well performed mm-hmm. metal music and. It, Am I in the ballpark? Do some of you who have gone kind of kind of gone on this journey, right, in kind of the same path? And like a lot of things in life, I find that really unifying. Um, this fandom, this group, every time I go to a concert is one of the, the most receptive. It's like being at a con. We were talking about this earlier. It's like being at a con. You know, what brings you together? It's this, 
you know, you feel accepted, you feel safe to talk about it with other people, and everybody is so inviting and welcoming, and that and that's also one of the things that's really drawn me to this group, and you know, mm -hmm. I'm flying across the country to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, and I guess one other thing that sort of shows shows up a little bit in this video is. I, I I can never keep myself from talking about this a little bit, but there's an undercurrent of comedy to this band that I think is that that is perfect. I mean, because the whole the whole thing from the outset it was really if you imagine like a little kid performing to the relatives in the living room, you know, they're they're playing a metal song or whatever. This is what's this is what's in their head, right? That's kind of what the project is is like imagining what a little kid thinks they're doing. Yeah. Um, and so this thing that we just showed, it's a BMC, which stands for Baby Metal Cipher, which is basically it's it's like a, a metal version of a rap battle. Right. Um, and and so and you know so it's just it's a lot of sort of nonsense words said in a sort of uh, you know cadence with a metal background. But but some of the words that go by are things like watch him a call. You know, I mean, like clearly this is this, there's comedy in there. You know, she's just saying words. <laughs> But and yeah. the other thing I would yeah. say, you know, uh, uh, with a song like that, especially uh, following either Gimme Chocolate and, or the Sakura Gakuin piece, is that, that central to what this band is, as well as the hybridity, is the flexibility and the willingness to experiment. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Um, that, you know, when you, when you listen to albums in sequence, you can feel the kind of experimentation as they say, okay, what if we go in this direction now? Mm -hmm. What if we try this kind of music? What if we add these elements? And particularly with the last album, with, with uh, Metal Galaxy, this sort of conceit of let's explore music from other cultures. Let's, mm -hmm. let, let's add an Indian element. Let's add a Thai element. Let's add, right, and, and sort of deliberately... Uh, let's add a Latin element and and see where that takes us. And and somewhat remarkably, it doesn't stop the song from sounding like baby metal. Right. right? I appreciate yeah. that they are consistent in their performance, even when they change theme. Yeah. Right. Like they still have the like they bring a character attitude to every character they're playing in each one. Yeah. But they're still very consistently the same types of characters from song to song, and I really appreciate that they are able to play within that. Yeah. And that I, every single one is special, unique, and has meaning. Yeah. Like, it's not, nothing is there for no reason. And it keeps the audience on the toes, right? Because mm -hmm. you literally don't know what's going to happen next. It's true. Right? Yeah. You wait for the next song. It's like, I, I don't know what this is going to be. And the other thing I was going to say as far as the international influences on the music is that it's done with great seriousness and sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And that it, it doesn't, again, it doesn't to me feel gimmicky when we say, okay, we're going to incorporate these Indian components. And, and that's going to affect the instrumentation. We're going to have the sitar front-loaded. We're going to have... Uh, the, it changes the vocal style as well as the, 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 the lyrical content and stuff. And it's like, it feels like a genuine homage to other places brought into a baby metal song, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that was something, uh, one of the, so, so I don't think we've named him yet, but the person who, who, who's kind of brainchild this is, is Kei Kobayashi. Um, and, uh, Koba is what he's known as, Koba Metal. But um, and, and you know he's talked to, he's talked in various interviews about kind of like how this project worked and he he is really deep in the creative end of all of this stuff. I mean like this is basically his project. But um, you know he he's talked about 
these collaborations that happen. This third album has a lot of collaborations with other artists, and um, and you know he was sort of amazed. Actually, it's funny. It's funny like seeing him recount how he how he came about these because it's always like he went to the artist's website on the contact form and emailed them with Google Translate. You know, but um, but the thing is that you know somehow the artists understood like nobody turned him down according to him mm. that the artists sort of understood this was this was honest you know this was serious they they this was uh, respectful they really wanted their participation and so they got the lead singer of sabaton and they got you know um polyphia and you know they, they got all these people to to join in um so so there you know the the other musicians recognized the seriousness of this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was that. Okay, so what what do you want to know about baby metal? Yeah, maybe that's a maybe that's a good place. Right? Does anyone actually have a question? Does Does anyone have a question about anything in particular, or do we just want to keep playing videos and talking about how cool they are? (laughs) (laughs) Because we can do that. We have we we have clips. Or or an observation or a thought. Yeah. Go ahead. You first. Um, you said you had a YouTube video where you had discussed the songs and everything? Yeah. Yes. Uh, what uh, channel? Oh, what's the name of your YouTube channel? Uh, I think it's just Andrew Hartley, right? I believe it is. I think, I think so. it is. AJ. Yeah. I think it's AJ. I, I mean, I, I always go by AJ Hartley, but actually... This is it is Andrew on YouTube? I think I think it's Andrew Hartley on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, I believe it's Andrew Yeah, yeah definitely. I think at this point, I've done about 25 songs. <laughs> yeah. Sort of just... And, and some of them are like... 20 minutes and some of them are like an hour and a half. Intro is pretty funny, y'all. Yeah. It's like, hi, old white guy here. It's <laughs> 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 <This is> fantastic. <laughs> Almost always they start out with, I, I don't have much to say, and then, you know, and then it goes 45 minutes, minutes later. later. Yeah, 45 yeah. minutes later. Yeah. But yeah. The, the other thing that actually is, is really good about um, AJ's videos is, is that at least in some of these later ones with the collaborations, he's brought in other experts in. You know, uh, what was it like, Celtic metal <laughs> or yeah. Indian music or whatever? Right. You know, to, to try to talk about the the connections that are being made with the different songs. And that was partly because, especially with songs like Shanti Shanti, I didn't want to be the person saying, "This is not appropriative." <laughs> I would, right? Yeah. I would right. rather have you know Indian yeah. people on with me talking about music and explaining and, and having them steer me through and say, "No, it's not appropriative," and here's why not. And I'm like, "Okay, good." Right. Fantastic. Right. Your question. Yeah, um, I'm having a brain fart of like who's who and baby metal. Yeah. I, I know one of the original members had to drop out due to health issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I noticed like in the in the latest official like DMC video, there's only two members. Is that the official state going forward? That baby metal is. A, <laughs> I have not seen band, an announcement or? either way whether they intend to replace her or not, but. In theory, because the triad works so well, mm. they probably will try to recruit someone if she's not able to come back. I mean, it, but that's a really complicated two, question. The other two <laughs> probably have a whole lot to say about it and may not want to work with You see us exploding else. here? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is all theory because they right. made no announcement either way. Right. But officially, the band is Sue and Moa. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Two. Officially. Officially. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Sue being Sue Metal, the, yes. the um, uh, lead singer, and Mo being Mo Metal, they, they, these are characters in a sense. You know, so Sue Metal is the one we've been watching videos of, mm-hmm. played by Suzuka Nakamoto. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Mo Metal is played by Mo Kikuchi. And there, and in you know, up until 2017, basically, mm-hmm. um, there was Yui Metal, played by Yui Mizuno, and. Um, there was a, a concert in late 2017, basically when I started. 
paying attention um, that that she suddenly couldn't be at. And you know they they don't ex- they don't explain this, and it's a health thing probably, and you know it's not really our we don't need to know. All we know is that she's not there and couldn't be there. Um, they are not really very good at communicating. Um, I mean, you know, possibly intentionally, but they don't they don't tell you. I mean, like so so the next show after the one she didn't show up for for was in Kansas City in the U.S. tour at the beginning of the um, the U.S. tour, and nobody knew until they hit the stage that Yui wasn't going to be there. <laughs> you know, something yeah. like, there was there. They don't make announcements like that. Mm. But there there was an evolution. Um, I don't know if I want to be the only one talking about this, but anyway, but so so. Um, in 2018, when they when they did that, um, they showed up with just Sue and Ma, Sue Metal and Ma Metal, and then two two sort of professional backup dancers. So there were four people on the stage, and they did that for a while, and with one exception. Um, and then they came back. Um, I think it was in the Australian tours with three. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 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 way that um, well, and actually even that was different. That was just a a new third person that nobody knew. And uh, the current state just ended is basically that that third spot is is um it's occupied by a support dancer um uh, and it, that support dancer is one of three people never actually named in person but everybody knows who they are this is oh this actually um Koba metal is big on pro wrestling so this is this is really very like pro wrestling you know people people having characters and being anonymous for play even though everybody actually knows who they are but so we know who these three avengers are who are doing the support role but um uh, that's basically it, you know. Like essentially, it's just one of these three filling that third spot in to make the triangle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but and this could all like, likely change in a month. Uh, the most yeah. recent news we have is the last ten years is done October tenth, and we have no news after that. Mm-hmm. The announcement included the kanji for the basically the world sealed or closed. Um, so there's lots of speculation going about: Are they going to continue? Or are they not going to continue? What's the new iteration going to look like? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all pretty firmly believe that. It doesn't make a biz- doesn't make business sense for them to shut the group down on October 10th after just celebrating 10 years, mm-hmm. and you know actually being successful internationally. Um, so really complicated time to ask that question because who knows it's all gonna <laughs> it's all gonna change here in a month. Yeah. <laughs> 10, 10, their 10th anniversary. Yeah. That's, gee, somebody did some planning on that one. Well, it was supposed to happen last year, but uh, you know. Totally. I mean, you, you could imagine that they've they believe that they've accomplished what they set out to do, you know. Yeah. Um, although, I mean, I think as I was sort of mentioning at the beginning, they didn't. This was not the plan from the outset. I mean, the plan at the outset was to have some funny thing to do, you know, after the newspaper club and before the baton club, you know. Um, but uh, so, but but you know, there, there's also they definitely make it sound like oh no, it's going to end because that's what. They, that's what they love to do. They've been doing that throughout. It's always been, mm-hmm. is this the end? Is this the end? Is it going to be over? Um, but that's that sort of yeah. the, that apocalyptic lore that yeah. has always been built around the band, right? Yes. Okay. The yeah. official pronouncements, always, it's always done in, the, in, it feels like Lord of the Rings or something, right? Yeah. Each chapter is somehow grandiose and epic and context, contextualized in this sort of fantasy way. So... You know, and people get frustrated because it's like, yes, but what does that mean? <laughs> what, what is actually going to happen? And we just don't really know. I mean, as, as Kevin says, I, I think they'll be back. Whether they'll have a new permanent third member, whether they're going to be doing radically different kinds of music, I don't know. I don't know. But as I say, that's part of the fun of it. Absolutely. Because, you know, they are nothing but a walking curveball. You know, and, yeah. and you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, I think that's really the appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I was just kind of wondering, and maybe this is just like more like personal experiences from your side, but like, um, since baby metal tends to be like such a deviation from what we traditionally think of like the metal sphere, mm -hmm. um, I was just kind of wondering like how that process over time got more and more accepted into that sphere. Because mm. very, at least at the very beginning, people do see it kind of as a yeah. gimmick. Mm. And especially in the metal community, which tends to like put so much priority in like technicality, but also like harsh growls and like that stronger feeling to it. It feels like it felt a little bit rejected, but the more I see it, more people get into it. So maybe a little bit of like your experience with that. Yeah, I think my experience with that is, you know, traditional metalheads. I was a metalhead before a baby metal fan. And that community is very much a, a gatekeeping community. That's not metal. This can't be metal. Just because I don't understand it or it sounds different from what I'm used to. So it can't exist. I don't accept it. This is a gimmick. Get it out of my face. Um, on the flip side of that, you see as they have been touring and interacting with, you know, groups like Metallica, uh, Trivium, all these other, you know, huge musicians in the metal community and just music in general, um, you can see their acceptance growing. Um, um, is it was it was it Rob Zombie? Yeah. Well, yeah. Rob Zombie famously defended them. It was like, you know, he went so far on his personal Facebook and said to his metal elite fans, like, hey, you know, what have you done? Are you on stage performing metal? How, you know, how how can you say this? And Judas Priest. Judas Priest. Yeah. Like, Rob Halford has Rob done the Halford same thing. Saying, this is this is the future. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you know the music community has embraced this because you know at the end of the day they're all artists. You know, sure they're all making millions of dollars and you know out touring doing this thing, but they recognize that this is in fact an art project, and it's it's successful. It works. You know, maybe it shouldn't work, but that's that's what's fun, and I think, I think that's, that's why, why it works. It works. <laughs> I think it's, I, right. I think that's why it works. I think it's because it makes you stop and think. It makes you go, "What yeah. was yeah. that?" It's because you have to know. Once yeah. you see it, you have to know what was that. Yeah. So I, th I, I think yeah, that's that's a big part of it. Is the what? I think that there's also a sort of uh, that we're we're living in a in a unique technological moment. Mm -hmm. That I think part of the issue with the acceptance also is that one of the things that people who rejected baby metal initially were saying, well, they're not a real band. They're not writing their own songs and, and doing all the yeah. instrumental work themselves. They're not living in mom's garage waiting to make their first <laughs> recording. Right? Yeah. So, but who is right? And I, I was listening to an interview with. Um, with Tim Henson, mm -hmm. one of the Polyphia guys, and a couple of other metal musicians, and they're all saying, you know, we're composing on our laptops. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, we're building stuff, and we don't know where it's going, but because the technology is allowing us to do these things, and then we'll figure out how to play it live, mm -hmm. and then we'll, we'll we'll sort of construct a more organic version of it. But the composing is mm -hmm. being done digitally and through through technology. And I think mm -hmm. as people get used to that idea, something like this will seem less of an outlier mm -hmm. and more of, you know, the, the, we have the means to make our own music. And here's an extraordinary example of people doing exactly that. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. I might, I might actually just add on to that too, that um, uh, Koba Metal, the, you know, this, the guy whose pro project this is, uh, or at least he runs everything. There's so many people involved in yeah. this project, and you know, and you know, the professional choreographers and professional composers and musicians and so forth. I mean, but um, but he has he's been philosophizing a fair amount over these years about like what constitutes metal, what is what metal is, what isn't, what is metal, what isn't metal. 
Um, he's actually about to release a book of essays about this, but but um, I think he makes a fairly decent case as he goes through this that this is as much metal as anything, you know, mm-hmm. that that it is it's doing the same kind of things that the metal subgenres do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Um, and and the, you know, versions of this conversation have been around as long as pop music in any form has yeah. been around, yeah. right? You know, one of my favorite British bands from the late seventies, early eighties is XTC. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, you know, Andy Partridge being asked, you know, oh, oh well, you're, you know, you've got this sort of new project and it's got some funk elements and it's got a little post-punk new wave, blah, blah, blah. And so he made a point of making the next single and it's called This Is Pop. <laughs> and, and it's like, I'm not interested in fighting over the nuances over what this sort of weird purist idea yeah. of what constitutes the correct form of this music. It's like, if the music works, it works. And uh, as you said, there's a sort of gatekeeper mentality that is ultimately very conservative. Mm-hmm. And it's a way of excluding people. And do I want to say this publicly? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that the front that this is a band of Japanese women, you telling me that's not a factor? Oh, yeah. Some of these people yeah. wanting to not include it. Absolutely. Yeah. How long did it take for Nervosa to be accepted? And, sure. yeah. You know, like, and they are as metal as metal gets, yeah. and it took them years to be widely popular, right? Because of that whole gatekeeping, like you said, it, there's there's a lot of this is this is dudes and i think the more that you get more dude fans who happen to identify as she hers sure yeah yeah it expands who you want to see on stage too yeah the racial component as well yeah Yeah. and the irony of this is all those people gatekeeping this genre went through the same thing metal went through the same exact thing when it you know when it it really started to take off in the late 70s early 80s it was the fringe music that wasn't accepted by everybody. What are you saying? So now, you, you know, now they're gatekeeping their own genre. Yeah. <laughs> because they've got old. Because, yeah, sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the music's too loud, you're too old. And yeah. get off my yeah. lawn. Yeah. <laughs> Any more questions? Comments? Who, who, uh-huh. uh, I'd love to hear if you have a favorite song. <laughs> Mm. Uh-huh. I don't want to go first. <laughs> you want to go first? <laughs> okay. Um, that's a hard question. It is a hard question. And, yeah. uh, you know, if uh, you asked me tomorrow, I'd come up with something different. But I, right. I, and I sort of circle back around, you know, yeah. and I'll listen to one album a lot, and then I'll, I'll, it'll become a little familiar, and I'll go back. Uh, you know, I was, when I was driving down from Charlotte, and I finally got my damn music player working in the car... <laughs> And uh, and the fir- and just by pure alphabet, because of the way the system thing, the first song to come up was Akatsuki. Mm. Man, I love that song. It's a great song. <laughs> and, and, and to me, and the thing that makes the song work is that it really showcases Sue's vocals, and then it has those sort of dueling guitar solos that are just extraordinarily balanced and intricate in the way that they're sort of playing thirds together, you know, the back and forth speaking to each other you know that and headbanger again the 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 way that that especially after the musical break when she comes back through the uh uh after the densets you know you know all that stuff that the uh oh man what about karate i I can't do this (laughs) too many good songs but the, the ones that i love most are the ones where there's some point where the voice 
lifts the emotional register of the song and hits that note, and you suddenly believe everything she's talking about. And, and it feels electrifying and then my hair's going weird on my arms and I'm just thinking about it. Yeah. And that that's baby mouth. Mm-hmm. I will not shut up. <laughs> I, so I mean like I, I do actually honestly um, like people do ask me this question sometimes and I do I do uh, often say the one that's playing right now <laughs> is the answer to that. Um, but um, I, you know probably karate got me got me in originally. Um, I would say Maybe recently I would I would have Yava. I'll say Yava. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I think I think that's a that is a that is a very complex song. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it's really funny how that question changes from hour to hour. Um, I think the the best way to answer it is you know like Paul said, whatever's on right now. Um, and I, I also think about when I think about what my favorite song is. You know, I'm one of those people who likes to connect. You know, music to experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been really lucky to be able to travel. And see these see this group all over the world. Um, my first time seeing them in Japan was um, last year for Legend M and uh, that series of concerts. So I, I have to say, Shine huh. for oh, yeah. me, yeah. yeah, just because of that performance. And I'm connected. I'm, I'm connected to the memory. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody really knew that was coming. You know, nobody had heard that song before, um, and it's the only time they've performed as a duo as a duet, mm-hmm. and that was a really special moment. I've, I've never seen more grown Japanese men break down crying after a concert <laughs> after that show. <laughs> and I'm not, ashamed, I'm not ashamed to admit that I was one of them. Except, the United Except United. not the Japanese oh, part. Yeah. <laughs> Just to maybe clarify about that, the Legend M was, was actually the concert that was sort of specifically about Moa Metal's um, 20th birthday, which is the you know age of adulthood. So that was, right. that was celebrating you know, Moa's um, Mola's time, and so, in a sense, that you know, she got a much bigger role in that yeah. one song uh, as well. Yeah, she played a guitar on stage. Yeah, you know, dancing around a duet—it was just an incredible moment. And you know, this is a good segue into wanting to talk about the production. You know, you, you can talk all you want about the music, but it's it's theater. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, their productions are more than a concert; it's mm-hmm. musical theater. Mm-hmm. Um, they t- they tell a story, they tell it well, and they're not afraid to spend money to tell that story. And it's, yeah. and it's quite a production, it's really incredible. And I think in a way that actually speaks to your previous question as well. Mm-hmm. That a, lot of, a lot of metal fans are like, no, it should be just guys, you know, up on stage yeah. with cigarettes and you're a pint of beer, wandering their way through crampy versions of the album. You yeah. know? It's like, and then what you get is this high production piece of, of musical theater, and they're like, wait, what? This isn't metal. It's like, no, this is better metal. But proved metal. But then again, there's always like, you know, Kiss or whatever, or like, you know, or right. Iron Maiden or you know, all of these, all of these shows. They they are they big and epic and yeah. you know, yeah. full of props. I mean, that's that's what all the baby metal stuff is modeled on, actually. Yeah. So. Yeah. Great I like question. Yeah. Keep coming back around to the thing. <laughs> <laughs> What's our next video? Oh, yeah, let's play a video. We, okay, let's see. Uh, what what seems like a good idea? Um, what you got? We have Magitsune, which I think... Oh, yeah, we haven't, we haven't even mentioned that. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of interesting yeah. textual stuff here. This is uh, 2012, I think. Okay. <laughs> so so much to there's, talk. There's, so I want to yeah. I want to super deep. I want to hear about. I want to hear from AJ here because um, so you, you've done a video on this song. Um, and what what in particular is unique and special about you know the last minute of what we just watched? 
Uh, you mean the Sankara Sankara yes. stuff? Yeah. Okay. So, so it, embedded in the center of the song, when it sort of goes down to half speed and the fan dancer comes out, the, the fan dancer who's played by Mikiko, the uh, choreographer, mm -hmm. um, uh, in this video. And they, and they sing that, they sing Kitsune, Kitsune, Watashi wa Megitsune, uh, Kitsune meaning fox, Megitsune meaning uh, the vixen, female fox, right? But the song, the, the melody line there is an old traditional Japanese folk song called Sakura Sakura, which is about the cherry blossom. And the cherry blossom is a conventionally feminine image in Japan, and this is a song very much about Japanese femininity, um, and but the the rejection of the of the cherry blossom as the motif, and the embracing of this figure from Japanese mythology, the shapeshifter, the figure of power uh, in the in the fox. But it's also interesting because, of course, Sakura Gakuin is the is the the, the, the training school that they came from. So that the the, the use of the song is also an indicator of a movement away from their childhood origins into this more sort of complex and powerful version of femininity, I think. Yeah. I love how every time we talk about this, I learn more from these guys <laughs> than I knew the last time we talked about it. Like, the series of emails, they apologized for including me in the series of emails where they were discussing what we were going to talk about for the panel, right? And I'm like, no, you have no idea how much I've learned in the last. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't know half of this. I'm like, what if we talked about these things? I'm like, I didn't know that. <laughs> so I'm going to sit over here and ask questions because I didn't know that. Like, oh wow, you guys have done a, like a seriously deep dive. I'm so so impressed with the depth of knowledge that you have about this group. Um, so we got 15. But not in a creepy left. way. <laughs> we got 15 minutes left. Uh, do we want to give out some stickers? Do we want to? I got stuff. Yeah. I'd love to hear a little. More. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear more from you guys. I'd love yeah. to hear more from the audience about the things yeah. that you like and such. Um. So I first started listening to Bane Metal. I was like, you know, it took me about 10 minutes after Kimmy Chocolate got released. Like, All right, cool. Rabbit hole. Let's go. Oh, Foxhole. Let's go. <laughs> Um, so like I remember when Metal Resistance came out, and something really got me was No Rain, No Rainbow, just because that sun change of this we're slowing this down right now. Yeah. Um, is there anything cool like specifically you know about that song or the video or anything? Because that's no not my favorite one. No Rain, No Rainbow. Yeah. Yeah, we we were talking. About <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that. <laughs> we're, we're always talking about. Uh, I, I mean, No Rain, No Rain. It, it's one of those you know a, a lot of baby metal songs are structured so that the the content is is more ambiguous than this, right? Mm -hmm. That particularly those sort of quasi relationship centered songs like No Rain No Rainbow or Akatsuki, uh, the the sort of power ballady kind of songs. But it's something about the way the Japanese language works often is that there's you tend to omit pronouns, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that. Um, when you try to translate the song, the impulse in English is to insert a lot of I and you or he and mm -hmm. she and stuff in ways that it's not there in the song. So the song's really interesting because it creates this sort of moment of uh, the No Rain, No Rainbow is a, is, a, is a very melancholy song, a very sad song. The title has that sort of hint that you have to kind of experience the sadness in order to sort of experience life and intensity of experience generally, and the possibility of good things. But it's very much an exploration of, of very sort of uh, uh, feelings of loss and, and, uh, and, and depression, right? 
But the framework of it is very unspecific, so that when you try to sort of put yourself into it, I think the way, this, uh, uh, the way a lot of these songs are structured is that they are deliberately built to be ambiguous, so that you can say, oh, this reminds me of X in my own life. Mm -hmm. And you can put yourself in the song and you can frame it in a way that completely suits your, your feelings or your experience. And the song itself remains then uh, sort of strangely open to association. And, and I think this is a, a very baby metal thing, right? That the name of the, the fan base and the band simultaneously is The One, right? On my shirt here. And, and the idea of The One is that it's all of us together, that we're all sort of sharing this experience and that the songs are constructed so that you can put yourself in them, right? And bring whatever personal baggage or, or, or specificity you have and the song will work in that context. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, that's one of the things that drew me to it. You know, I first, like I mentioned, the metal is incredible. Instrumentals, some of the best in the world. Um, but when I really kind of fell down the fox and looks, I don't, I don't speak. I, I now speak very poor Japanese. The more I drink, the better it gets. But you know, I started to look up. Okay, I want to know what these songs are, what they mean. And you know, like AJ said, well, that's really hard to do because the Japanese language is pretty ambiguous. And when you try and translate it, it doesn't work. Then you add a layer of, well, now this is music. And even, you know, music lyrics generally, even in English, are up for interpretation, right? You don't always necessarily know. Um, so there's a whole other layer of that, which I find really interesting once you start diving into what these songs are written about. Right. And they explore a lot of themes you wouldn't expect from what you hear. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it's it not, every, sounds so happy and Everything upbeat. sounds right. Right. But I mean, like, we all know that Karate, the, the figure in black and white is death, right? So it's a song about death, and they're just... Yeah. And it's like, this is, there. it's so discordant, again, it's one of those things where it's so discordant, the, the visuals, the theme, and what you hear, that your brain goes, wait, okay, what was that again? Because every time you get something from them, it's a brand new, wait, what was that? And, every and, single time, because everything is different. And I think the karate... That's why I love them. Karate is a really good example of another one of those baby metal themes mm -hmm. that they, they often sing about struggle, right? Mm -hmm. they, they, they sing about um, facing adversity mm -hmm. and the impulse to fight on and support each other, right? And, and unlike the Western sort of narrative model, there's not necessarily success at the end, right? It's not about just keep going and everything will be great. No, it's just keep going. Yeah, because that's life, right? And, right. and uh, karate. Maybe we, maybe we could watch the karate one. Yeah, I think because it's very good. much about mutual support and. Uh, that's a good one to close out on. We've got ten minutes. So this is actually a performance and not a video, but I think this it, it, uh, this works well too. Yeah. <laughs> this just makes me miss concerts. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but it is really a song about. Persevering, you know, yeah. it's, it's persistence. Oh, and this brings up another thing I wanted to talk about. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about costuming choices? Mm. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, like we've we've definitely seen, um, you know, you've, you've seen like the little kid versions, and and we've seen a little bit when they did BMC of the of the mm -hmm. sort of modern version. There was a a, a time in between uh, when they were doing this with four, 
that they looked they looked like this, which is also uh, an interesting, interesting and quite different, but still has this you know the shape that works for the dance, right? I'll, I'll stop it there just because we're too long. Yeah, but what, yeah, what kinds of things were you thinking about? Okay, so the the Lolita style in Japanese culture, in and of itself, is kind of a women's empowerment movement sure. in Japan, right? They're taking back their sexuality by under-sexualizing themselves by dressing like little girls, right? So they're making themselves unattractive to possible suitors by making themselves look too young to be interesting, right? So the Lolita movement is totally a women's empowerment thing. Um, they take it one step further by going totally goth with it, mm -hmm. right? And then by the time we get to karate, you see that it's almost like a military style uniform. And I know AJ talked about this in his video about this this video. The, the armor and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean. So like it's it's there's always an evolution of the style, but there it's it's very very much an empowerment thing. I think in their yeah. costume choices. I think with them, yeah, I, I I think that you know one of the issues with that sort of kawaii. Uh, uh, Lolita style stuff is that in pushing away from conventional sexuality, there's an impulse to infantilization, which is also problematic. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I like about baby metal is that they're able to resist that, mm -hmm. and th th and that's also subject matter of the songs. Right, right. and about. I think by by taking yeah. it more towards the goth direction, mm -hmm. it, it definitely takes it away from the infantilization, right. like yeah. you said. Like it it makes it not. As, it's very a hard version of it. Yeah, even I mean, everything they do is the hard version. <laughs> even even when we were, when I was on the the podcast that time, we talked about one of the lyrics that initially really got me excited about the band was in Doki Doki Morning. Where that line was that. Uh, what's the line? Should I furu wa kirai kirai? I I hate pretending not to know. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's the anti-infantilization, right? The sort of the, 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 to be cute, I have to be dumb. Mm -hmm. And I hate that. Yep. And, and that to me, I was like, oh, wait, that's interesting. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they, also, they also do use their costuming for theming mm -hmm. to tell their story, which mm -hmm. is interesting. And this is a perfect slide to be on. Right, because it, it helps pull out the character. Right, well, so it brings out the character. And what they were doing is they were transitioning into what we see now. They took their time and did it over two years. So they had this battle armor where they went to this their dark side lore. This was baby metal being dark and not as happy anymore. Mm. Um, do you have um, the Australia or the like? Um, I, you know what I'm talking about? The, the next costume? Oh, I don't. Uh, the, I don't. Yeah. yeah. So f from this armor, they went to basically what they'd worn before. But they made it look like like the tutus had been like burned and destroyed, mm -hmm. right? And then they went away. We didn't see them for a few months, yeah. and then they come back um, for Legend M and the Sun Also Rises. You know, after it was about a six month hiatus or so, into what they're wearing now, right? And so they had to use their costume to kind of tell their story and drive their narrative of, you know, we're we're fighting for you know what we believe in here. We're destroying what it was in the past, and we're rising again. Um, with this new look. That was a really good answer. <laughs> See, I'm glad I asked about costume. <laughs> I think, All right, last I, five minutes. One oh, more. Oh. One more question. No more questions. Yeah! Sure, sure, sure. I just wanted to know what your podcast is called and where I can listen to it. Oh, the Baby Metal Podcast. We have stickers. Okay, yeah. Coincidentally. <laughs> Come get a sticker. Right. The name is right. <laughs> In the back. 
Uh, kind of piggybacking off the favorite song question, I hope this isn't too difficult. And sure. Take too long, but I feel like all good music you connect with emotionally. Mm. So maybe your favorite song or that point where you're like, oh, this sounds good. Listen to another song. Listen to another song. But then the emotion you felt where you were like, no, this is pretty rad shit. Like this mm -hmm. is. Dope. I'm really glad I'm listening. Is there maybe like a general emotion you're feeling or? The one for me, um, I, just because I think the message is great. Um, I, I didn't go to concerts. Concerts weren't, weren't my thing until I discovered Baby Metal. And I, on a whim, drove to L.A. because they were in town, and that was the next time I could see them live. I didn't know anybody. Um, but I'd interacted with people online, and I met some friends down there I'd met online to watch this concert. Um, and I remember crying at the end when they finished with the one because I finally felt like I was a fan. Mm. You know, I felt like I'd been indoctrinated, you know, and, yeah. and, and that's, it's, it's weird to think about that and say that out loud, um, but that's, that's when it became kind of real for me. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think the one, just because of that moment, you know, because what other group does that? What other group tries to bring their fans together in that kind of meaningful way? Yeah. And, that, and that song embodies that for me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would probably go back to karate, but that, that last Hashire yeah, gets pretty... me every time, you know, yeah. and I'm just like, turn off the cameras, I'm not going to acknowledge my failed masculinity. Yeah, I would say that too. Like, that, that, you, you, I mean, anyone who knows karate well will know that moment in that song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it works every time. I think you know that's the other thing is that um, the very the variance that is that they have among these songs really does make it possible to keep listening to them. I mean, like I haven't I haven't I've listened to some other things, but mostly I've listened to Baby Metal since 2017. <laughs> you know, and it's and it's fine, and I still do. Yeah. You know, because the songs are different enough; they they fill all the niches. Could, could we maybe suggest some other bands to listen to Absolutely. as well? Absolutely. Band suggestions are usually welcome among sure. music yeah. bands. Yeah. Uh, because we were, we were talking about before about, you know, what this is, as well as going down the foxhole for baby metal, it's led me to other bands that I probably wouldn't have found otherwise. And, I, I'm, and my two favorite Japanese bands at the moment, other than baby metal, are Polka Dot Stingray, mm -hmm. um, who are a kind of a, a, a more conventional indie rock uh, act very sort of jazz influenced parts of it extraordinary instrumental works not a metal band at all but they're great check them out and Atarashi Gako mm -hmm. who are uh, uh, four girls who also kind of come out of this sort of idle context but are doing really really interesting adventurous uh, things and I think they're gonna make it big in the US They've just so signed with 88 Rising and they're starting doing yeah. uh, stuff uh, on the West Coast. And they, they, they also have a really jazz, the first two albums are, are heavily jazz influenced and now they're doing a lot more sort of dance music-y stuff. But smart, funny, interesting, Atarashi Gakko, uh, new school yeah. leaders they're, they're called. A lot of people gravitate to band made. That's kind of the natural progression after Baby Metal once they find that. Yeah, some oh bad made fans out there. Um, Passcode. Yeah, Passcode's also really good. Silent Siren, um, that's also in the rock genre. Um, man, I can, I can just, I can go on. I just, I just went hard kind of on Japanese music once I defy Baby Metal. So if you want to talk about that, we'll be around after the panel for sure. <laughs> and I think we have some comfortable seats right up Yeah. Actually, you know, for me, it wasn't so much that, but uh, Baby Metal got me back into sort of appreciating music and the people they connected with 
worked for me. So like I, oh, sure. I wouldn't have come, I wouldn't have found Polyphia mm. if it hadn't been for their sure. like, collaborating with it. But but now yeah, they're they're great. Um, yeah. They're not Japanese, but they're great. Um, and uh, the Avatar also, they the Avatar opened for Big Metal, and I saw them, and their show is, you know, insane. Uh, it's great. Also so, musical yeah. theater. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. All right, I have a little bit of business to conduct. Um, we are collecting for the Dragon Con charity, which this year is Big Brothers Big Sisters of Metro Atlanta. If you're interested in making a donation, you can either go online to text your donation, or you can drop some cash in the bucket at the back of the room on your way out. If you would like a sticker, we have stickers here. I think we're going to let the guys get their masks back on before anybody comes up for stickers, and then we can go ahead and start working our way towards the next one. Thank you for coming. Thanks, everybody. This was so awesome. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Wait. Can I take a picture of everybody before they get up? Because nobody will believe me. <laughs> look at how many big yeah, metal Look at right how many here. people showed up. Okay. Right here. Kitsune. Kitsune's up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>